Good afternoon and welcome back to the Stacks of Cash podcast. I got Jake Cohen with me and today we have a special guest. Today is a special day, Jay. It is. We have our dear friend Faye Sykes from Social Security Benefit Planners here to talk all things, you guessed it, Social Security related. So Faye, good afternoon. Well, good afternoon, guys. Long time coming. I know, I know. We've been talking about this for a while. I know. I'm glad we can get this done, but let's start. So Jay and I aren't experts at Social Security. We know enough to be dangerous, but can you give us a high level, big picture on what Social Security is and what it means to the people listening today? Absolutely. Um, You know, a lot of people don't realize that Social Security has almost 2,800 regulations that oversee it. So think of me like a CPA you know, a CPA has to understand a lot of the tax code, but for the Social Security. Mm-hmm. So there's two components that comprise, you know, electing to take Social Security. One is the age that you take it at. The earliest is age is 62, um, and the latest where it maxes out is age 70. And full retirement age will vary based on your birth year. It will range from 65, 66, or 67. Just note that between 62 and the full retirement age, it's a 7% increase annually. And between your full retirement age and age 70, it's an 8% increase annually. Um, so there are some huge benefits by delaying, you know, by the age that you take it. The second component for this is your PIA or your primary insurance amount. And that is, you know, if you're CEO of a company and you make a million dollars a year versus somebody that might be a janitor that makes $30,000 a year, you know, your FICA or the amount that you pay in over the years will vary. Mm -hmm. So the two components of what age you take it at and how much did you pay into the system will, you know, essentially give you how much that you're going to get in Social Security. So, you know, with that, Over 60% of Americans elect to take Social Security at age 62, which is a 60% basic differential, 60% plus from the maxed out at age 70. So if you take the 7% increases every year and then the 8%, that's a huge differential. So, you know, one little, little quick story. I had a couple that was originally on track at age 70 to be around, you know, $57,000, $56,000 a year together because they were both looking at taking it early at age 62. Mm -hmm. Um, In their particular case, he was widowed. And since he got remarried after the age of 60, he was still able to pull his widower's benefits. They were grandfathered. So there's certain people that, you know, if they were 62 by January 1, 2006, Mm -hmm. or not, I'm going to mess up on the date, but anyway, it's just a few years ago um, that they could get grandfathered in. In their case, they were, but Instead of being at, you know, in the 50s, they were able to get 78000 at the same age of, of 70. So for couples that make under seventy five grand a year, with proper planning, we can typically get folks an extra eight to 15000 a year. For folks that make over 75000 it's fifteen to 30000 more per year with proper planning. Eh, okay, so proper planning. So what age should somebody be starting to think about the planning stages of Social Security? I'm 35. It's a little premature, do you think? Uh, well, it depends. <laughs> oh, very good. It depends. Okay. So for most people, if like if you're a W-2 employee, you know, that 55 to 65 is pretty normal. Mm-hmm. 
But think of anybody that's self-employed and, you know, an article. Yeah, if you're self-employed, a whole different dynamic comes in there because what we find is that I call it the trifecta. Mm -hmm. Do you have a business you can sell? You know, Mm because, you know, a lot of people have a business that they can't sell. But if you got a business, that's one component. Number two is, did that person save? A lot of people use the business as a lifestyle, and they spend a huge amount of that cash flow, and they're not saving to a 401k or, you know, different components. And number three is, a lot of self-employed people tend to underpay themselves drastically. So I yell at CPAs, please have your people pay themselves enough. So, so Faye, uh, you may have described one or more <laughs> elements of this particular business owner. Uh huh. And so I do. That's why I'm looking at you, sir. <laughs> right, I'm giving right, you some right. eyes over here. Exactly. And so, so I, I wonder about that because I, I, you know, I may manage my W two to maybe not the full maximum salary level. And, and so, when should I start? So I'm I'm 53. Let's suppose. I wanted to retire at my Social Security age, which I think is 67. I think uh, mm-hmm. I can get it at yep. 67, given my age. So when, when should I start to, quote, maximize my salary to make sure I get my credits up to a big enough level? Well, Social Security looks at the past 35 years of your work history, but they do index for inflation so that somebody that earned, you know, in the 70s and 80s, you know, an average person might have made eight, twelve, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000 a year in the 70s, and that escalates up. Um, but the thing is, anybody is self-employed, I would highly recommend that they really consider doing planning now, you know, whatever age they're at. Uh, the other thing I run into is a lot of times you have spouses that work in, but only one of the two spouses gets paid and then the, uh, and the (laughs) other one's not. But so I had an attorney who he made a million dollars a year, but his wife did all the bookkeeping and running, you know, supplies and all that. And she did not vest in. Well, she ended up having a disability, um, had a, a, a severe situation that happened. Well, the way that Social Security works is you have to show earned income five out of the last 10 years. So for the retirement, they just look at a 40 credit hours or 10 years. And currently it's um, 14.70 a quarter. So it's basically a little bit under 6000 for the year to vest in. So for all the spouses out there that are doing some errands, doing things, you know, pay them some kind of salary so they vest in. Social Security is a disability, life insurance, and retirement program. So, so when you say pay them, you, you're speaking specifically to business owners. Yes. If, you, if you're a business owner and your spouse does not, quote, work in the business, it would be to your advantage to, to have the spouse, quote, working in the business in some capacity – so yeah. that they're able to get these credits. Is that correct? Absolutely. So not only for the credits for the disability, life, and retirement, but also, you know, and I know you guys are the 401k financial planning experts, but the other thing is if that they have a 401k, they can have that income flip over and max out the 401k. Mm-hmm. They earn the credits into the Social Security, and it, you know, double vests up. So... You know, it really can mean a substantial amount of money for a family by vesting in. So if somebody paid a spouse $10,000 to do some jobs around the office or whatever, 
they could put in ten thousand into their four hundred one k. Correct. Uh, Pre tax and Roth, or does yep. that matter? That doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Doesn't matter. You okay. know, just think of any kind of employee. Doesn't matter either way. So, so yeah, you guys can flip it over. Fifty to seventy grand is really kind of a sweet spot for it to be a you know a substantial amount of income. It's mm-hmm. fascinating. Yeah, no, that's 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 really it's cool. So 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 we've 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 talked for a little bit about. You know, here, here's what I'm taking away so far. As, a, as an entrepreneur, uh, I, I need to within, you know, starting at 10 years before I, I want to draw my benefit, I really need to be getting my credits up. Absolutely. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Max so, it out. So, so for those people who who aren't necessarily entrepreneurs, you know, they're, they've worked at a company, so on and so forth. question that Dave and I get a lot is when, when's the optimal time for me to apply for my Social Security. And I think most people are like their normal retirement age, or should they wait? Any rules of thumb or, or calculus we ought to be thinking about there to, to come <laughs> One up with size the fits all. Yeah. It's, you know, it really varies because, it you know, over the years, uh, you know, it depends on somebody's health. You know, if somebody comes in at 62 and they have, you know, like cancer, they, you know, they need the resources, they don't, haven't saved enough, then we might talk about them taking it right away. I've had other people come in where, you know, well, my dad's 97 and he's running a marathon this weekend and, you know, there's longevity. Then it really, you know, can benefit them by delaying. You know, one of the big things that I tell people over and over is your retirement date does not have to coincide with your Social Security date, meaning that somebody still might retire at 60, 62, what have you, but draw down a little bit of the IRA 401k assets and then flip over at 67 or 70 or whatever to a much higher benefit. One of the other big key things for anybody that's married out there, the surviving, you know, if in the widower situation, the survivor spouse gets only the higher of the two. So whoever was the bigger bread earner, of, whether it's the husband, wife, or wife, or wife, or whatever, the higher of the two should delay theirs as long as humanly possible. Because that survivor one, you know, gets the higher of the two. Right. The, the higher wage earner should defer as long as they could. Absolutely. So like Dave and me, we mm-hmm. we have wives who, you know, they've been working a long time. Yep. And and because of the way we've managed our deal, they're, we're probably better to, we would defer taking their benefit. We should take ours first. Exactly. In our individual cases. Exactly. Once again, they're pulling the weight for us. <laughs> shout out, Go. shout out to the ladies once again, wives. sure, because they will listen to this. Well, and the, you know, when it comes to families, I think another huge thing that a lot of people don't realize is for kids' benefits. So, if somebody is disabled, that child is el- or children are eligible for a half benefit of the. Dis- so, if a disabled person gets a two thousand dollar a month benefit, it's essentially a thousand dollars for the kid. And if there's three children, then that benefit goes up. In a case of a retirement, and I'm going to use my dad. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Go dad. Um, <coughs> so my ex-mom-in-law, or yeah, my ex-mom-in-law was four years older than me. And I have a half-brother that's a senior in college. He's 21. That makes me a little bit older. You just graduated college. I know, <laughs> I know. I'm so fresh-faced. But... Uh, <laughs> So basically, my dad was pulling retirement benefits when Micah was in elementary school. 
And so that, you know, so when we do planning where there's kids later in life, so this applies to adoptive, stepchildren, and biological children, it also really comes into play with, um, with the opiate crisis. Unfortunately, there is a lot of grandparents. I think the mm-hmm. number's two to three million. I've, I forget the exact amount. There's a significant amount of grandparents that are raising their grandkids full time. And I'll give you guys a quick story. I had a, a gentleman out, you know, he and his wife had been raising their two grandkids in Las Vegas um, for basically 16 years. Both the parents are opiate addicts out of the picture, and they were living in Vegas on about $3,200, $3,400 a month. And, and he's in his mid to late 70s. And he's like, we're struggling. He said, we saw this article that you posted, and can you help me? So basically, I had him adopt the two grandkids. They now fall under his Social Security. It was an extra $24,000 a year. And the thing is that with the kids' benefit, it goes under the kids' Social Security number, so it was not a taxable event to that family. Oh, wow. So the two extra grand a month, you know, it basically took them up into $5,000 a month, you know, over five grand. I think it was fifty-five, fifty-six hundred. dollars um, And there was a, f- a six-month look back. So they were able to get a lump sum by asking to go back six months. You know, as far as going back 16 years, that is, n- you know, not going to happen and unfortunately, with Social Security, it's you have to know that you're eligible for the benefit. Nobody from Social Security is going to reach out and say you're eligible for this kid's benefit, a widower's benefit, or whatever. You know, you've got to you've got to have that knowledge, you know, and understand what things apply to you. That so that's a very good example of something that I wouldn't think about where Social Security comes into play. What other situations that you most commonly see where maybe we wouldn't recognize that this would be a good social security planning opportunity that you see on an not an everyday basis but more commonly absolutely well a lot of people don't realize you know and if you guys uh, come across or you're contemplating divorce and you are at nine years and seven months you really want to wait till the full 10 years and with the 10 years What happens with that is, so if you've been married 10 years and get divorced, you are eligible for spousal benefits. You are eligible for widower's benefits. I literally once had a lady who was married nine years and 11 months. Oh, man. And her divorce (laughs) went final, and I'm like, ah, you know, she missed out because her husband was an attorney, made a lot of money. But basically, you know, that... um, the divorce says that, and that's man or woman, and it doesn't matter if the former spouse is remarried, mm-hmm. both the um, new spouse plus the prior spouse that met that 10-year can get those benefits. And, you know, funny story, I had a, <laughs> I had a gentleman who had, uh, I'm sorry, it was a woman who had three ex-husbands, right? So... Each of them, she made sure that she had stayed married for at least the 10 years. And so when she hit retirement age, she applied on ex-husband number one, but then ex-husband number three passed away, so she flipped over to his. But then, you know, she's like, well, if ex-husband number two or one dies, then that would even make it higher. Because so alive, it's a half benefit of the full retirement age. So if somebody delays to age 70, that spousal benefit is just the full retirement age, not 
what the person, you know, delayed to. Um, so there's a lot of things that come into that. And, you know, with widowers, they can get disability benefits early, as early as age 50, and they can pull retirement benefits two years early at age 60. So, again, there's a ton of um, a variety, of, you know, of kind of things around that. But then you take in, there's like 12 states where teachers, police officers, you know, a lot of people in the government don't pay into Social Security. So there's all sorts of special planning for that, expats that either retire or work overseas. There's all sorts of weird stuff. Wow. Dave, you know what I'm thinking? I've been married for 10 years. So that's what you're <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> me too. What I'm thinking is this stuff is really complicated. Yes. Kind of makes my head spin. You're welcome. And uh, so I think what that means is, is that, that engaging with someone like yourself, who really is an expert in the ins and outs, is, is, is really a smart thing to do. And we're going to provide that information at the end of the, the, the little cast here. However, before we do that, I, I want you to spend a minute because, you know, Dave and I talk to a lot of people and they're like, oh, the Social Security, we're not, you know, we're not, I'm not, we're not getting that. And it's amazing to me how many people just sort of discard it. And, and, and when you have two, particularly two working spouses, which is a lot of people in America nowadays, I mean, that benefit can be four to $6,000 a month when taking both spouses together. It's real money. And so the question that Dave and I end up with is, how, how much can we count on it being there? So can you speak as we wrap up here Absolutely. to, to, to the, the, the funding and the, what, what Congress has done in the past to ensure that it would remain viable? Well, and that's a great thing. There's been a lot of news recently about how underfunded Social Security is. Well, the thing is that people need to keep in mind they're using 2020 numbers. I don't know. Do you guys remember what happened last year in 2020? Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe a little corona. Yeah, little, maybe. maybe some businesses shut down. People didn't work. So basically, you know, uh, it's around 86, 87%, somewhere around there, of payroll tax that funds Social Security on an annual basis. So, you know, the vast majority, you know, about let's just say around 87% is payroll tax, and you have a year like 2020, and then the news folks manipulate those numbers to say, hey, you know, the sky is falling. The number two aspect that they keep using, the actuaries, the, the nerdy money guys, you know, and women that, you know, run the numbers, they use, they're using an infinite to infinity. Basically, there's calculating Social Security for infinity, but I'm just going to, you know, kind of say that even our own son has a finite life. You know, the sun is not infinity, but basically they are running Social Security to infinity, which is an unrealistic kind of situation. So another um, portion of that for the annual comes from about 40% of retirees will pay taxes on their Social Security mm -hmm. uh, because they still have earned income. Um, you know, there's a percentage up to... Um, 50% and then 85% of the Social Security benefit that can be included in taxes. So another percentage of it um, is covered by that. And the last bit is covered they have in the Treasury in U.S. Um, government bonds. So mostly payroll tax, some is U.S. government bonds, and some is the taxes generated on the people that are st still earning income. But I'm not really worried. Just, just so you guys know, I'm not worried you know, they might have to make some adjustments in it in, in general down the line, but I'm not worried overall. 
so I'm 35 years old, and I get this question a lot from pe- uh, people and clients my age asking me, "What do you do? You, do you think that it'll be around for me?" I, I absolutely you do. do. Yeah, just maybe in a different format, Thing- or maybe delayed age, or. I mean, there's a lot of different things they could change. Obviously. There's a lot of things. Well, one is, you know, right now, only 142,800 of income is included for Social Security. Now, if you think of like a Colby Bryant or an Oprah or a gazillion of other folks that, you know, just think of a lot of regular W 2 employees or business owners. If they would raise the amount, you know, I know nobody says, hey, we want to pay more taxes, and I completely get it. Mm-hmm. But if you make $10 million, what's an extra, you know, little percent on, let's say we raised it to 250 or 500, mm-hmm. you know, where they've got to pay the little extra on the FICA. The other thing is that's very generous between 62 and your full retirement age. It's a 7% increase every year. And from your full retirement age until 70, it's an 8% increase every year. So, you know, if they adjusted that down from 7 and 8% to a lower percentage, that can also, you know, make it more desirable for people to take it earlier, mm-hmm. you know, versus delaying. But, you know, as we kind of said earlier, over 60% of people take it at 62 anyway because they don't really understand what they're giving up. Well, I, I can just tell you that for, for me, um, it's fascinating. Just, just the math part of it because, you know, there, there are a multitude of levers that can be pulled, and 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 just the idea that that one day I just I just imagine one day the government saying, well, you know, we're out of money. Uh, sorry to all you people that are receiving Social Security or close to getting it. You know, sorry, you're not going to get it. It just you know the wind down to me. I just can't envision that. So yeah. I figure they'll they'll legislate their way around it being viable. Well, for just think. A while. Have you guys ever gone to a town? hall meeting with you know community politicians it's a lot of blue hairs (laughs) it's a lot of folks that are retirees that Mm -hmm. the average retiree relies on social security for 40 to 60 percent of their retirement income and about 10 percent rely on it for 90 to 100 percent think think about those numbers 40 to 60 percent that that's that's crazy so uh, i mean we would have a bigger problem if that went away entirely so i've been paying in my whole life i'd be mm-hmm. pretty pissed <laughs> if there's nothing <laughs> right. there when i need it right it's almost 15 percent of my income your income you know 7.2 of plus course. the employer match it's a lot of money so so Faye, you we, we've just scratched the surface of the social security topic i mean there's like a million more questions i could ask but we got to wrap it up and, but before we do uh, we're going to include Faye's information on the description of the podcast. But, Faye, do you just want to describe very quickly how to get in touch with you um, and what your services are for couples or families um, in the Social Security space? Absolutely. So um, my website is www.socialsecuritybp.com. Uh, my email is info at socialsecuritybp.com. Uh, basically, we have a flat fee uh, planning on our website. There's two levels. Eighty over eighty percent of people can do the cheaper, four ninety seven. So it's just basically around five hundred dollars, and that covers single, divorced, widowed, um, married, and then we have a fourteen ninety seven level, and that's for all the weird stuff. So LGBT <laughs> couples, uh, expats, people that earned a pension and didn't pay into Social Security. 
grand, you know, grandparents that are raising grandkids because we have to do a lot of special planning around that. Awesome. Well, listen, Faye, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a long time coming. This was fascinating for me, and now I need to get planning on Social Security since I'm a business owner. But listen, everyone, thank you for listening to the Stacks of Cash podcast. Uh, please download, like, and rate us five stars if you got a chance. Thank you so much. See you next time.